Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson, and we have somehow made it to yet another Friday, whatever that means. And we have a jam-packed show for you today. I get to chat with the author of a new book about a very interesting topic. We as humans are just so impressed with our penises. And because of my research background, I knew that there were a lot more penises out there that were a tad more, you know, kind of on the wow end of the spectrum. And we're going to introduce you to a concept that might just change your life, the snacking cake. But first, here to help us make sense of the week that was our two pretty great panelists. We have today Hari Kundabolu and W. Kamau Bell. They are comedians and very smart humans and friends, and they host the podcast Politically Reactive together. Hari Kamau, hey. Hello. Hello. I am so excited that you got both our names right. Uh, at the same time, because that doesn't happen all the time. I mean, it kind of seems like the least I could do. I, actually, it's funny, Harry. I actually was like, wow, both of them. Like, there wasn't even... Yeah, it, yeah. There wasn't, like, a hiccup on one of them. Like, a, let me do this. Like, there wasn't a... There, was, <laughs> there wasn't, like, a runway. Yeah, there wasn't a, a... And please welcome W. Kumail Bell w- and w- Harry Kendabalu. <laughs> Y'all, I'm just really sorry the bar is so low for white people. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to ask you, both of you are like pretty active humans on, on the Twitters and this week Twitter unveiled a new feature, which is, I don't know, feature is kind of a weird, weird word to use for it, but it's tweets that disappear. Um, uh. and they're called fleets for some reason. <laughs> cause they, cause they didn't think of a name until the very last minute. Cause they didn't think of a name until the very last minute. They're fleeting tweets, I guess. Uh, and they're pretty much exactly like Instagram stories, except on Twitter. Um, Kamau, Why? You know, with Twitter, they always do things to try to make you forget that it's a hate-fueled hellscape. <laughs> like, <it's> like, <laughs> like, like, can you? What's the feature for reducing the amount of hate-fuel hellscaping that's happening on this site? <laughs> fleets, fleets, make the hate fuel yeah, disappear. Hate disappear quicker. So somebody can send you a hate-filled tweet, and you read it, and then you like, and then it's gone, and then you think you're crazy. Wow. So yeah, it's essentially just gaslighting people even worse than we already are being. Did they not realize you can screen? capture did that never hit them that like i understand how their their app works like i understand that you interact with the interface and you see like the tweets and it affects you and you can delete and you can mute and you can block mm-hmm. but memories don't work the same <laughs> so if once i see that it doesn't really matter if it disappears i'll i'll have it in me hmm. yeah that's a really good point so do you think hurry like are you gonna fleet Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah? But how will you determine, Hurry, what's a fleeting tweet and what's a tweeting tweet? 
that's a very this is something i never thought i'd have to yeah, think about ever is, yeah, in my life is, that's my thing like how do i know that because sometimes you send out a tweet that you're like man this ham sure is good a million retweets and suddenly you're like right, your right, agents right. like we got to get you that ham show and suddenly you're the you're the, <laughs> you're the ham you're the king of ham yeah, like, <laughs> off some tweet you know that's happened before people's whole careers have changed based on yeah one weird moment so well, I don't know. I mean, I guess you would think of it the same as you do with Instagram, where like your the actual pictures are like the pretty curated, well lit stuff, and then the stories are like more ham. <laughs> <laughs> just already eating ham, just fistfuls of ham. Yeah, exactly. Puerto Rican bull loves ham. Prove it. <laughs> fleet or it didn't happen <laughs> so a story that a lot of people chimed in on twitter about this week is the possibility of student loan forgiveness uh partly because president-elect biden is calling for immediate congressional action on it there's also talk of an executive action that would just immediately forgive up to fifty thousand dollars of student loan debt uh hurry what do you think do you still have student loan debt i have i have a few left but it's not really that bad um i first of all there should absolutely be student loan yeah, forgiveness just do it just as a person it. who has fifty thousand dollars in student loans that sounds very good to me i mean it's just an acknowledgement that uh well for the most part except for very a few exceptions higher education is a scam <laughs> like it's just so it's yeah, just an acknowledgement yeah, yeah, yeah. that like yes if like for i mean if you want to be like a surgeon or a doctor or some sort of highly thing like i need to go to school for this sure but often you get paid in a way that it doesn't that the student loans aren't as big a deal but like for like if you're like i just really like the english language and books and mm -hmm. want to really do a deep mm -hmm. dive into yeah. literature here's your fifty thousand dollars in way debt. to call me out kamal <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah i was about to say what kamal is saying is hurry got scammed yeah. i did not get scammed <laughs> well no i dropped out out of college after a year and a half and then but I and I ended up with like I don't know thirty thousand like I don't know some, whatever my loans I ended up with it took me for it took me till I got famous to pay them off like which is and that's not a good plan for everybody. I was just gonna say like how do I make this so no, step one tweet about ham yeah. step two okay, yeah I mean, but I'm still we're still paying off my wife's student loans like you know Ugh, she has all yeah. the degrees so she's got so like <laughs> but I do think it's just an acknowledgement that like the, like the amount you know when you look at how much higher education costs it has not tracked with inflation at all all and yeah. you know people like your parents or your grandparents will tell you about like i got a degree for 15 dollars from stanford you know right. I mean? like, <laughs> and it has not been that way so i look at college with my kids like by the time they're ready to go to, to college either it will be free or it'll be something that like only the richest people do like it'll right. be like it'll be something like nobody goes to college right it'll be like the old days yeah god that is crazy yeah, yeah. it's insane to think about that um, so something else that happened this week in speaking of being bookish in book news, president, former President Barack Obama came out with his memoir. Um, he also dropped a playlist of songs that he likes. Uh, it's not the first time he's dropped a playlist. It is perhaps his most boring playlist. Yes. Did y'all get a chance to listen to this? It, here's the thing. It's a great playlist for how old is he? He's what, 50? <laughs> We forget that. Yeah, he, like a like a middle aged dad. Is that yeah, like, what you're a, like an older. No he's, shade to dads. He's, he's he's closer to senior citizen than we realize. Everybody <laughs> like he's like if he was just some dude named Barry Obama who's like look at my playlist, you'd be like, man, this guy in his late fifties is pretty hip. <laughs> but because we have because we judge him against President Obama, it doesn't look as well, good as it. Used I don't to. know, Kamal. I feel like this th this thing's a little. It's a little suspicious because the last year, first of all, he had a ton more songs. Secondly, a bunch of the songs were from artists that like most of us hadn't heard of, and it showed that, oh, he really knows music. 
And this year, Beautiful Day by U2 ended up on it. Yeah. <laughs> And so it makes you think that oh, Sasha and Malia didn't come through this year. Like that's what <laughs> I think exactly. Happened. That's that's exactly what happened. Sasha and Malia did not come through. <laughs> He does not employ the same White House intern who he used to employ. <laughs> who used to like, let me see that playlist, old man. No, 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 no. I mean, I have to be honest. I always thought his playlists were a little bit too hip. Like, where do you find time to break mm, new artists? You're like, like where, you... who is the intern behind this list? <laughs> like, lose yourself by Eminem's on here? If for a guy of his age, what, that movie was like, 20 years ago? Yes. That's prime. Yeah, that's... I... Uh, it was the Sinatra that really got me. I don't know if it's especially because Chicago or something, but it was just like, really? Like, why? Luck be a lady? Like, really? The Brooks and Dunn got to me. Like, dude, you're not president anymore. You don't need to pander to the middle. It's like every time he said, like, Pakistan instead of Pakistan, I'm like, you know how to pronounce it, man. You grew Come up on, in Malaysia. Dude. Like, don't give me this shit. Like, it's- I just looked it up. He's 59 years old, everybody. That is a super hip playlist for a 59-year-old man. I don't know if Coltrane is a hip playlist for a 59-year-old man. Okay, slow down, sir. Now you're getting ridiculous. <laughs> you're going to compare John Coltrane to, to being on the same level of not cool as... Who is the country actor you said? Brooks and no, somebody? No, I didn't compare them. I'm just saying that Coltrane maybe is appropriate for Shut. a 60-year-old man. That's all. Shut your dirty mouth. <laughs> we are about to have more problems. This podcast is about to be over. John Coltrane. Oh, you... Sorry, there's not Weezer on here, you nerd. <laughs> what I want is one of the Weezer cover songs to be on that list. Just Sorry, really Africa by Weezer's not on yes. here. Oh, God. Uh, that, that just hurt. You like, hipster t-shirt ooh. wearing. I'm a father. I am a father. <laughs> just <sir>. recently. <laughs> sir, I am a father. <laughs> I think that inherently makes you automatically less cool, though, Harry. I'm pretty sure that's, that's how that works. Yeah, well, I can't wait to see your playlist at 59. <laughs> no, it, what I'm listening to. Pinkerton. It's just Pinkerton. It's everything I listened to probably in college is what's going to end up. Yeah, which, yeah, which is like the same thing. Oh. No, <laughs> so, so as I mentioned, you two are co-hosts of the podcast Politically Reactive. Uh, is there anything coming we up on the show? were until this oh, podcast. Oh, come on. <laughs> I have nothing against John Coltrane. Stop. Don't say his name anymore. I get, I get angry. So yeah, if you if you can get over this massive feud about Coltrane, uh, what are you looking forward to coming up on the podcast? I have a kid now, so we do uh, some uh, daddy talk. Oh, that sounds Aww. weird. Daddy no, talk. No, dad talk. Dad talk. He keeps it. It's dad talk. Yeah, can't say daddy. 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 Yeah, daddy sounds bad. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I said that well, on the first episode, Greta. To... I said like I'm a daddy, daddy? now, and he's like. You're, that means something else. Mm-mm. You're a father. Mm-mm. You're not a. <laughs> you may st- you may be a daddy now, but I think what you're talking don't, to don't us about it. on the podcast is being a father. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, you two are my favorites. I could talk to you all day, but before I let you go, I have one more question. Um, our next segment on this in this episode is an interview with Emily Willingham, who just wrote a book called Fallacy: Life Lessons from the Animal Penis. Huh. And mm. I was just wondering, putting you on the spot here, do you have any favorite animal penises you'd like to tell me about? Huh. 
so many to choose from. Oh, I mean, my there's God. a lot to choose from. Yes, that's oh, I true. I wish you'd let me know because I really could have like, I could have given you my top 10 favorite animal yeah. penis. Yeah, well, you could have done um, some great like Google video searching. I mean, there's yeah. a lot out there, you know? Well, I am a man and that means I am a human and, a, and an animal. And so mm-hmm. I have a penis. So your favorite animal penis is your own penis? Correct. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. You are a daddy. <laughs> Come out, hurry. Thank you so much. This was just a delight. Y'all are the best. Oh, great. It's always Thanks fun. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you. It's more fun than do- us doing our podcast. Oh, by, by far. <laughs> Up next, I want to tell you about a book that came out recently. It is by Emily Willingham, and she's a scientist and a journalist. And I'm just going to let her describe what her academic focus is. I have a PhD in gonads and a postdoc in penises. That's right. Emily is a penis expert. Her newest book is called Fallacy Life Lessons from the Animal Penis. And it's about all the strange and amazing penises that exist in nature and what they can tell us about our own penises and perhaps surprisingly, why we should stop talking about penises. All right, let's get started. Emily, hi. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm glad to be here. So I got to say, I don't think I've ever actually said the word penis on this podcast before. Oh, well, <laughs> I personally can't make a claim like that. <laughs> For most yeah, how my days. So <laughs> it's got to be hilarious. So the title of this book, as I mentioned, is fallacy. It's a play on words because it's fallacy with a ph. So we got kind of like a, a tip of the penis, oh shall we say, to the phallus. Um, what what would you say is the fallacy at the heart of this book? Um, the fallacy at the heart of this book is that the penis is sort of the dominant genitalia and that a penis makes a man and that a man is his penis. Right. I think it's hard to argue with the fact that there's definitely a mythology around the penis, especially when it comes to humans. But you in this book actually spend a lot of time taking us on a tour of the rest of, let's say, nature's bounty. Uh, why did you decide to include other types of penises also? Yeah. It's interesting because I think we have been living through an era of, you know, the dick pic, you know, it's just easy access to take one and send one and all that kind of thing. And I started thinking about it and how we as humans are just so impressed with our penises. And because of my research background, I knew that there were a lot more penises out there that were a tad more, you know, kind of on the wow end of the spectrum. And (laughs) I thought, you know, there's a life lesson in there. And it turns out there are quite a few life lessons of other, you know, animal penises have to teach us. And that's just one of them. Yeah, I definitely want to talk to you about some animal penises that are more on the wow end of things. But one thing you get at pretty early on in this book that I think is is really interesting and really important to highlight is is the fact that much more research has been done on penises than on vaginas. Right. Um, that up until quite recently, they there were papers that were the writers of the paper were they just said, well, the penis is really interesting, but we kind of think vaginas probably don't have a lot in the way of variation. And right, they're just vessels. Yeah, so they're just kind it. of there for the penis to, to have something to stick itself into. And that doesn't make sense even biologically because what they were concluding is that penises that do have all these adornments have them because they're adaptive, they're workarounds to some kind of interference on the other side of the mating process. So you would think, well, if it's a workaround, there's something on that side they're working around and maybe we should take a look at what that might be. 
And they really would write sentences like, we just kind of think the vagina probably is fairly plain. <laughs> so it doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense biologically. Yeah. So can you tell us about the oldest penis in history, mostly just because I loved its Greek name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's about 425 million years ago. And the funny thing about it is, is that it's teeny, it's like this little tiny crustacean like animal that itself <laughs> is only like five millimeters long. It's half a centimeter. Right. But <laughs> the uh, researchers who found it were just really struck by what they, and I'm quoting here, they call a large and stout copulatory organ on this little thing and so they named it a greek name that does mean amazing swimmer with a large penis <laughs> so do you have a favorite animal penis i have been asked this and you know i hate mm -hmm. to play favorites so uh -huh. no i'm kidding i would say that you know i think my answer really should be just humans right because they're just super fun we have a really good time with them right and so i think that that's a lot of fun but when it comes to the ones that are just kind of really astonishing yeah yeah that's a big list um the bed bug is interesting yeah, can right you, can you talk about the bed bug i was gonna ask you about yeah that. yeah um they, it's, they they call it hypodermic and this is kind of a shape you see across a lot of completely sort of unrelated species that's got it looks like a hypodermic needle and they transfer the sperm by hypodermic injection and kind of jobbing around just anywhere on the mate until they get it in there and kind of release the sperm, <laughs> the sperm find their way, you know, to the eggs. And, you know, there's some fusion. As far as just like, wow, look at that thing. Um, I would have to say the seed yeah. beetle. And there are lots of species okay. of seed beetles. Um, but I kind of made that character in the book because they have such a remarkable um penis is what we would call it it's just got spikes and big little nubs all over it and jaw-like structures and things like that and you just yeah you can't have so much fun with that i would think you know from an anthropomorphized <laughs> perspective <laughs> did you think about making it a i mean there are like some black and white illustrations in here but mm -hmm. did you ever think about doing the like full color coffee table book no we didn't talk about that probably because of, you know printing costs would be out the wazoo <laughs> on that right um but you know maybe maybe i'll throw that out there someday because wouldn't you know, it be it, it would like be it amazing could be a follow up yeah well and definitely as i was reading about slugs i was like <laughs> i'm gonna need to google this and like i'm not sure that the image search made things make more sense to me or less sense but but I am glad I looked. We're talking about Limax and their penises yes, that intertwine. Yes, it is like, yes. you've got to find the video. It's the video. <laughs> you're looking at it and you just feel like you just landed on a different planet. I bet. That reminds me that you had a couple of really delightful thanks in your acknowledgments, including to genitalia of all kinds everywhere. But you also thank people who record animals having sex and put them on YouTube. Yeah, because, man, that's like a cottage industry, right? These little teeny animals and these researchers are spending all this time, like, you know, marking every move they make and what they're doing and what the genitalia. I mean, it's just incredible. But I have to say the Limax Maximus at Leopard Slug video is the only one I gave five stars. That was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I can't believe I didn't look at the video. I'll have to do Gotta that. Gotta go find sure. that thing. Okay. So on a more serious note, because I think it's it's worth discussing, is the question of what decentering the penis actually looks like to you. I think the biggest action item 
for one of them is to be careful about how we talk about people with penises or whom we perceive to have them. I think we need to monitor our language for whether or not we're reducing someone to that body part or associating them solely with it. Hmm. The other much bigger job of work is to try to break break down, break apart impossible masculinity, which is what I call it in the book, rather than toxic masculinity. I don't like to link masculinity with toxicity because I don't think masculinity itself is inherently a bad thing. Hmm. But the, the construct we set up of impossible masculinity harms everybody. I have three sons. I don't want them to try to be striving to achieve something that doesn't exist for all the wrong reasons. So I think we can look around and acknowledge that there are all kinds of masculinity and there's no one way to manifest it. And we all have parts of us that do it. Yeah, in many ways, it seems like the conversation should actually be about dismantling harmful gender roles because yes. everybody wins. Yeah, right? of course. And we all express these aspects of what we think of as masculinity and femininity. It's not constrained to one perceived sex or another by any stretch. Well, Emily, thank you so much. This was really a pleasure to talk with you about penises today. It was a pleasure as always to be able to talk about penises. Thank you for having me. Emily Willingham, what a delight. If you're interested in learning more, you're in luck. There is a whole book on this very topic. It's called Fallacy Life Lessons from the Animal Penis. If you're up for hanging in there for another segment, we've got a pretty great one right after the break. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Yasi Arefi is a photographer and baker and the author of dessert cookbooks. Her latest is called Snacking Cakes, Simple Treats for Anytime Cravings. It is a delightful treatment, get it, eh? for 2020 blues and something I just can't wait to share with all of you. I got to check in with Yasi recently about the book and her cakes. To start, we should probably define this potentially life-changing term. What is a snacking cake, you ask? Well, Yasi says there's a couple criteria. It should be simple, easy to make. It should be delicious. It's one layer. That means you can bake it in an eight by eight inch pan and you may or may not need a plate and fork to eat it. Yasi does have one rule about snacking cakes and it is about when you are allowed to eat them, which it turns out is whenever you want. They are great for breakfast, so they are great in the afternoon. They are great as dessert after dinner. Um, You can really just enjoy a snacking cake anytime you feel like it. There's a bunch of great recipes in here, like the berry cream cheese cake. Which is like a sour cream cake with brown sugar and berries and little nuggets of cream cheese in it, which is so tasty. Or the cocoa yogurt cake which is like really fluffy and light and it has a little bit of tanginess from the yogurt so it's not super sweet 
Um, and it's just like a really nice, solid, easy chocolate cake. So maybe you're like, yes, I need snacking cakes in my life. But no, I do not bake. I am not a person who makes things. In fact, I am quite trepidatious in my kitchen. Well, Yasi says that's actually totally okay. I think the, I mean, the whole purpose of the book is that all of the cakes are really easy, that they don't require much equipment. You can make them in one bowl. You don't have to mess up your whole kitchen to do it. Um, And they're really great for beginners. So what I always suggest is to think of like the flavor that you like most, that you're craving the most. And you could find a cake with that flavor profile in the book. So it's kind of like, just follow your heart. It's definitely follow your heart. Something that snacking cakes really reminds me of is the amazing Julia Child quote. Maybe you've heard it before. Julia Child, famous baker and chef, said, A party without cake is just a meeting. Can you inverse that then? Does that mean a meeting with cake is a party? Because maybe that's what we need in our Zoom meetings next year. Just a bunch of parties. Right, that's it for today. Don't forget about Book Club. It is coming up this Tuesday. You can hear a spoiler full panel discussion of V.E. Schwab's The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. That means now is the time to send us voicemails if you haven't already. We would love to hear from you. Just record yourself on your phone telling me, you know, what your favorite part of the book was or your favorite character or the thing you can't stop thinking about, whatever it is. Record yourself on your phone and then email the file to nerdatpodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you about it. The show is produced by me and Justin Bull and our amazing intern, Isabel Carter, and our executive producer is Brendan Banaszak. We will see you next week. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Macs. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.